This is the Idea Time Podcast with Dr. Joe North. Welcome to the Idea Time Podcast. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies, and interviews that will help you to achieve greater professional and business success by thinking more creatively. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Hello and welcome to the Idea Time podcast. Well, what a world we've got going on at the moment. I think it's really unprecedented, isn't it? And I know that a lot of small businesses out there are really worried. I think businesses of all sizes are worried as well. But also there's opportunity. When anything bad goes down, there's always the upside in there somewhere. And what we've got to do is find it and make sure that we navigate our businesses through challenging times. So I'm absolutely delighted to have Mahmoud Reza with me today. And Mahmoud is the numbers rock star. He is fantastic at anything to do with numbers, money, and making sure that businesses do what they need to do, which is to generate profit and give their owners the, the lifestyle that they need and deserve and want. So Mahmoud, a really big welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much for inviting me. This is I'm delighted to be on your podcast. I'm so pleased. I mean, we've been sort of keeping in contact, haven't we, since, is it June last year? That's right. I think we've been virtually stalking each other and uh, supporting each other in terms of what the messages are, because you, you share some fantastic, great content, and it's been a, you know, a delight for you to uh, comment on that. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you. And I, I just love what you do. If you're listening in and you've not seen Mahmood's videos with Serena, then I'll put a link into those because they really are fantastic. It's a really fun and informative way of learning about numbers, but we'll talk a bit more about that later. So Mahmood, tell us a bit about yourself if people haven't met you or come across you before. I'm originally, geographically, I was born in London. Uh, I'm one of nine kids. And in terms of when I was growing up here, the way uh, that, and I didn't come from a particularly sort of affluent background here. And what we found was the best way to actually make something of our lives was to get educated. Um, I probably didn't pay as much attention to school as I should have done. Bit of a mess up here, did lots of entrepreneurial things, finally got my act together, and then migrated up to Leicester uh, quite a number of years ago. I did a degree, uh, left uh, my degree when I finished it. I thought, what should I do with my life? Took a year out, did a few things like teaching, uh, voluntary work, etc. And then my first paid gig, so to speak, if I can use that language, was in teaching, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Did that for about three years, worked in FE, HE, primary school, secondary school. But there's a weird thing that in teaching, if you do that, people think for some reason you can't do anything practical. So I jumped ship, thought, what should I do next with my life? A bit reckless with nothing to go to, but I suppose that sort of typifies my life, sort of cautious recklessness. And then I went into industry for about five years, worked as an accountant up to board level, did lots of things, got qualified, picked up a few bits of paper, lots of experience and then jumped ship again when I started my own back bedroom uh, business about 25 years ago. And then I've since migrated from that back business. And I've got a team working for me and now inhabiting and sharing the world of numbers with the rest of the world in the UK. Fantastic. And we're really pleased that that's what you're doing. It's, uh, I think it's an area that people are sometimes quite frightened of, not always, but sometimes and no need to be and your podcast I Hate Numbers really helps to make that accessible. The reason I wanted to invite you on the podcast right now, I mean it's something I've, I've wanted to do for a long time but why right now is I've seen so much stuff on social media yeah. about businesses being concerned about keeping the doors open, my yeah. own clients 
you know, are finding it super challenging and it's quite an anxious time. So, Mahmood, tell us, what should businesses be doing and thinking about right now with everything that's going off? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Joe, and you're quite right. And I think nobody is, has not been affected in business by what's going on here. My pure advice is you need to effectively, first of all, grab your numbers. Your numbers are, at this time and no time ever, are your best friend. They're not going to lie to you, and they're going to help you navigate the path ahead. And the first thing I would probably do is actually look to head. Cash is the thing that's going to keep our businesses going. So if you run out of cash, you unfortunately your business is not going to carry on. You can survive a period of time without making profits, uh, even though that's the ultimate goal. And I would put together a cash flow for my business. And typically, I would start this way. So there are typically two things that you've got to think about. There's things that you do know are likely to happen over the next three or four months. So for example, you know, if you your business is online or offline or a combination of the two, you'll know what income is going to come in there. So you may have contracts to provide work that your clients aren't cancelling. You've got commitment to costs. So you might have a premise where you've got rent, you've got staffing costs, you've got fixed commitments there. And that includes obviously money that you're going to be drawing on yourself. Think about those, describe what they are, and then you can overlay numbers on top of them. Then you've got the things that are likely to happen. So again, you may, in businesses I know still are getting clients coming on board, maybe not the volume they want, but you're still going to have business likely to come through. And you're going to think about those costs and income streams coming in. Now, once you group that together, Joe, then you need to put that in terms of timing. And the reason I would suggest that you look at the cash flow of the business by timing where the pressure points are, is then you can make decisions about where do I go to access support? What can I do to delay costs? What can I do to supplement the funding? And there is financial and support out there, and we're doing what we can to actually share that with people. So first of all, don't panic. Easier said than done. Sit down and map out your cash flow, I would say, at minimum, for the next three to four months. So it's really about making sure as you're looking at your cash flow that you've always got enough money in to pay for the things that are going out and looking at the timing of that, isn't it? One of the things that, that I've done, and I, I do it regularly anyway, actually, and I think cash flow is a thing to be done as a, as a good routine part of, of the business. So if you've not done it before now, I think it might be a, a good tool to use ongoing. But I, I've been through and I've looked at any unnecessary expenditure so things like those you know online subscriptions to bits of software that yeah. i thought i'd use once and never have you know and and all of those things add up and i do a regular pruning of that anyhow but that feels really good actually to take control doesn't it it feels at least if you know your numbers you feel much better about things because you know where to take action I think you're very right there, Joe. And I think what I'm finding when I'm speaking to clients and other people here, the anxiety is about, you know, it comes back to money. And that can cause a real stress point in your life and your business here. And it can also cloud and affect your judgment about your aspirations going forward. And I'm as guilty as you are. So I subscribe and I buy things thinking one day I'll get round to it. A word of caution, though, and I would suggest when you come with the pruning shears and thinking, what should I cut back on? Don't lose sense of the idea of what's the impact on my business when this craziness subsides. If you can resurrect it and it's not going to make an impact, great. And one of the biggest areas I would say is people having to make those tough decisions with things like staff, freelancers and resources they have in to support their business. If they prune that, 
that might affect their long-term sustainability? Yeah, I think it's good to have adult open conversations with anyone you're working with on that basis and come to an arrangement in terms of what will work for both of you going forward rather than doing a knee jerk and just turning things off. It might be that people give you less hours or fewer hours than before, but at least, you know, if there's a minimum that will tide them over and keep your business in a great place as well, maybe there's a conversation to be had around that. Very much. And I think you put it in the right way. With all this, numbers uh, are just a way to actually help navigate the storm ahead, you know, whether it's going to be very choppy or very calm or very positive. But you need to vocalise, you need to tap into your commercial side of your brain and you need to talk to people. The one thing that alienates a lot of suppliers and people that you work with is if you take unilateral action without involving them in that dialogue. And, you know, they're going to be willing to cut slack. They're going to be anxious. And also, remember, I found that those people that cut back dramatically on whether it's marketing, finance, spend, business support, capacity, when things become better, they are actually doing a catch-up exercise. And those businesses that have taken a more long-term view are the ones who are going to actually sort of accelerate their growth. Yeah, it's a question of balance, isn't it? Because it's about making sure you've got enough money coming in to tide you through what you know, however long this is going to be and also making sure you're investing in ensuring that your business is, is in a better place, in a good place at the end of all of this. And I think marketing is, is another area, isn't it? But it's about investing wisely. It's not just about randomly jumping in and you know, doing some knee-jerk stuff. I think it's about really thinking through what you do. Very much so, Joan. And I know in your sort of line of work, uh, and I'm not going to give it the appropriate title, but in terms of when you get people to put together creative business journeys and business plans, everything stems from that. So they effectively, if you know where your path is and you're making sensible decisions, and you you may have periods of time in the next couple of months where there might be a a bit of a pressure point on your cash flow resources, well, then you've got things you can do to see, you know, what finance support there is out there. You know, are there things that you can do to delay things? But you've got to make sure that you don't make short-term decisions that are going to have a big detriment in your long-term survival. Yeah, absolutely. And you said about there being some other support out there and the government have put out a number of things. From my reading on them, and I'm not an expert, I'll I'll defer to you, but it sounds really good as a headline. And actually, when you get underneath it, there is some stuff there, but there's some stuff that we need to be aware of. So what is the government actually offering to small businesses? Okay, so what we've got here, we've got a a moving news story here, rolling news story. So in terms of when I last looked at this yesterday, so you've got, I would suggest, two ways that support is being given to small businesses and businesses at large. You've got what I call immediate cash support. And that immediate cash support comes in if you're employing staff and staff have had to take time off or self-isolate, as the phrase is, then they are entitled to statutory sick pay on day one, where normally it's a four-day waiting period. The second thing that's added to that, for the last few years, if you have to pay SSP to your staff, you weren't able to recover that. You are now able to recover that for a period of 14 days. Secondly, there are self-employed are sometimes in a very vulnerable position in terms of the benefits they can access, but they've relaxed, if you can call it that, the universal credit rules. ESA, if you've got a company, you may be able to claim job seekers allowance. So that's the things that are immediate. Now, the other headline areas are things like grants that everyone's been talking about. Now, for my reading, grants will be available effectively in the new tax year, so that's 6th of April. My interpretation is 
you're not going to get that straight away. It's all being distributed by local authorities. There's 10 grand cash grant on the table. Uh, we don't actually know the details yet about how it's going to be delivered, but the local authorities will be the ones who will be contacting you, not the other way around. There is also finance support from banks, lenders, that realistically kicks in on the 23rd of March. And here's the thing you've got to remember. If you think about the sheer volume of claimants, people that need finance support here, we've got to think about back office systems to actually make that happen. And everyone's doing a massive catch-up exercise. It's an incredible logistics exercise to make sure it runs smoothly. There'll be criteria. So all I'm saying is when people do their cash flows, there is that support, but I would factor in, assume, apart from the ones I've mentioned about SSP, universal credit, don't expect anything immediate and with a man on the, with a suitcase of cash on the corner. So build that into your cash flow forecast. But it's out there, uh, lenders, and there's time to pay if you've got bills that you've got to pay with the tax office. They've been instructed and told to extend time to pay. They're also going to be waiving interest. So there is a lot of finance support here that's out there. So if you have got big bills, there are ways to delay and defer them and not wipe them off. So we, we mentioned earlier about marketing and online marketing. And also what I'm seeing is lots of people jumping in and going, let's do an online course or I'm going to do take my business online. And that's a fair enough assumption. You know, you've got lots of people working from home that weren't there before and, and so on. And the tech is there now and it's very accessible and affordable. I think it takes some time to grow an online business. And I guess it's really important when you're growing an online business, if you buy into any courses or buy into any of the experts who are sort of propagating how to do this right now. There are some good ones, there are some not so good ones, aren't there? I and mean, what's your experience of online marketing? In terms of online marketing, if, you, if you're pivoting and you're going to a different way to get your products and services and distribute your messages to other people here, it's do not expect like any new discipline that's going to happen in five, ten minutes or overnight on a short course. And you're quite right, Joe, to point out that a lot of what I call snake oil salesmen out there, as there are in any business arena here marketing the online marketing is just another way to get your message out there and I think you need to be careful and I think you need to plan this and I know it sounds very boring to people when I say plan but you've got to be very careful to not to rush into something because it's desperation understandable desperation to get something there I use online marketing I use face-to-face -face marketing um, I'm also using the online world for other parts of my business here and it is an investment of time it's an investment of the right know-how to connecting to the right experts. So do your due diligence and do your homework here, but it's an investment and it obviously it's not going to be an overnight success. And I would say, I don't know what your interpretation is, it's going to be a very crowded arena. So don't lose your uniqueness and, you know, factor in, it's not an immediate overnight success. I think if you've got physical things that, that you're already offering and you can take those online, I think that's a fantastic thing to do anyway. And the, the time we're in right now, you know, is, is as good a time as any to do that. I think they need to be priced affordably. But I, I think you're so right. It's, it's all about making sure that you stand out and that you look at what other people are offering. Make sure you differentiate. And, and having differentiated, then it's really about growing your audience as well, isn't it? And, and making sure you're targeting the right people. I think actually creating an online course or you know an, an online service is the easy part the more challenging part is getting that audience and, and selling 
that in that's that's where the work really lies and it's very doable just make sure I think you know my, my advice to people as you say is just make sure that you you know you learn from people who um, are good at that and have got a proven track record what I do note actually Mahmood is that some of the people in this space who are doing well are people whose job it is or whose business it is to teach people how to do online marketing rather than people with other businesses who are helping people to grow their businesses online, if you see what I mean. So learn from the online marketing experts for sure, but also learn from people who are growing other types of business online is what I'd say. I think that's a great point. It reminds me of two things here. Uh, it sounds strange, but it makes me think of the gold rushes. So in other words, there's people have discovered a great opportunity. Uh, people through panic, through understanding their current circumstances, think, right, let's all rush into gold. And what happens is the people who have been in the early stages and put the effort, the work in, are the ones who probably get the best advantages and everybody's scrabbling around because, you know, of that. The second thing I would say is it's, it's a truism I've seen over 25, 30 years that overnight successes are several years in the making. Yeah, so, you know, please go for it. If you're thinking of doing an online course, if you've got a great idea, you've done your research, please do it and let either me or Mahmood know and we'll help you as much as we can. So we want you to do it. It's just about make sure you're not doing something that's a commodity and understand that you'll need to put the effort into selling. You know, so where you've got any budget to invest in your online course, make sure that you've got some budget put aside for audience building, for promotion and all of that and you produce your course at, you know, as low cost as you can to get the quality that you need. Yeah, and I would also probably uh, look at it in terms of, I know this is resonates with you, Joe. is I would look at, your, if you're going to do a new online course or start going that market, treat it as a mini business plan in itself. You're going to have to monetize that offer. Otherwise, all you've got on your hands is a hobby, which will never sustain itself. So you've got to have an objective, in my mind, of making profit eventually in what you do. Otherwise, you won't be able to sustain what you're doing. So you've got to put a mini uh, business plan together. Think about your customers, think about your offer, think about the cash flow that you need to build it up, develop it. Uh, so don't just do it as a, oh, I'm going to get online and suddenly I'm going to be super successful. I think um, one of the principles when I'm working with businesses to start up is I really like the Eric Reese Lean Startup Principle, which is start it, put in the minimum amount of investment to get the right level of quality, invest as little as possible. And then you'll learn and you'll adapt your offer as people buy from you and you learn more about what works and what doesn't. So I think that's really important as well, particularly in these in these challenging times. And can I ask, because you do some cracking videos, I absolutely love the videos <laughs> that you and Serena do. And it's there's some music, there's a bit of a few dance moves in there and then you hit us with a really fantastic um, insight on numbers uh, in a really accessible way so tell us how you started doing those and why and how they're working for you so for me it's about if I look in my particular world as soon as you mention numbers or the world of finance to people you tend to see their eyes glaze over they reach for a sharp pencil or something so for me because I come from the background of education and helping people it's about a different way I can spread what I think is very important out there and some time ago, I recognized that video was a very important medium here. So effectively, I would do what I got over myself and thought, right, just get out there, even if it's rubbish, and just started doing something on a regular weekly basis to get out there. And my dancing hasn't improved too much there. 
But effectively, it's just lot for me, there are lots of different ways to get a message that's important and lots of different ways. So whether it's through the medium of video, whether it's through audio, like the podcast, this brilliant podcast you're doing now, whether it's through uh, writing blogs, lots of people consume information in completely different ways here. So it's making sure that that video, which is part of a toolkit of the way of communicating what I'd like to communicate with everybody who will find it useful. Yeah, I think as well, if people are looking at going online and it's something that's new to them, one of the concerns that I hear from people is that they're worried about over-communicating, like, yeah. you know, I've posted that before or whatever. And, and actually, firstly, people don't see everything that you put out there in whatever medium. And secondly, all your posts don't get shown to all your followers. So that's something to bear in mind. It's actually about repurposing and, and you know, actually sharing things a few times rather than just hitting it once, isn't it? It is. And there was two things I picked up what you were saying, Joe. So first of all, as far as the messages out there, I think it's very useful for a business to actually be what I call more customer focused than product focused. So yeah. some businesses will think what I do is brilliant. You know, it's great. Uh, and they focus on that saying, if I show you this, that I build it, they will come. That in itself is what's going to get me successful. It's not. You've got to think about the customer, the client, and you know, what is it for them? And why should they engage with it? And another thing I like to show what you're saying is about the lean model. I, I love the lean model. And I would also say software companies and Microsoft built themselves on that model. Get something out there. Don't over-engineer. Uh, don't worry about it's perfect. So perfection in your mind, you know, is going to inhibit you and stop you doing. Just hold your note, just like with videos or products or anything, and just do it. As long as it's that, as you said, minimum threshold, you can always you know, repurpose, rebuild, modify. And I said, Microsoft is like the aircraft that goes in the air with only one engine and they'll fix it as it goes along. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's about being agile. We're all in business to um, help a customer with, with a pain point or an aspiration that they've got. Absolutely. And that's it. It's about using the language that your customers would use, isn't it? And making sure that you communicate your value proposition which is, you know, what it is you're offering to help that customer. So, um, so Mahmoud, where can people find you? Because I'm sure they'll want to get in contact after hearing all the good stuff that you've given us today. You can find me directly on my website. So that's proactiveresolutions.com, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I'm, I'm liking a bit more these days. Uh, I do a podcast called I Hate Numbers. Uh, I don't hate numbers, by the way. I think they're brilliant. But I know a lot of people will hear that even if you're not a client of ours we share information and we don't put obstacles to that so we want people just to become closer to their numbers to actually make their businesses more successful so a number of different virtual platforms and also there aren't that many mood resers here that inhabit that business space so Mr. Google will help you if nothing, if all else fails. Yeah. So Mahmood, thank you so, so much for today. I mean, just packed with content and value. Pleasure, Joe. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time podcast, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. For even more strategies and advice, visit our website, ideatime.co.uk. Enter your email for leading insights, resources, and more every month completely free. We'll see you next time.